Even as we're preparing, I'm going to tell you a story about the day after Christmas. This was in San Francisco, and the pastor of a church was looking over the crash that was out in the churchyard when he noticed that the baby Jesus was missing from the figurines. He looked up and down around in the yard, and then he went out to the street, and he looked up and down the street, and he saw, not too far away, a little boy with a red wagon pulling it down the street, and there was baby Jesus in the wagon. So he walked up gently to the boy and said, well, where did you get your passenger, my fine friend? And the little boy replied, honestly, I got him from the church. And why did you take him? And the boy said, well, a little before Christmas, I prayed to little Lord Jesus, and I promised him if he would bring me a red wagon for Christmas that I would take him for a ride around the block in it. (laughs) Promises. Promises. Promises fulfilled. The prophet Jeremiah introduces us to the season of Advent by speaking of a promise fulfilled. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. That promise God made is noted several chapters earlier in Jeremiah. We're in chapter 33 today, but ten chapters earlier we hear this. It starts out similarly. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. And he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. And this is the name by which he will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. Most scholars believe that Jeremiah was written to people who had been sort of kidnapped by the Babylonians and taken away from their home in the southern kingdom of Judah. Now, the previous century, the Assyrians had kidnapped the northern kingdom folks, the people in Israel, and taken them away to Assyria. So just it's a bad time for the tribes of, um, of Jacob. So Jeremiah is both hearkening back to the good old days when David was their great king, when David had united the kingdoms, and he's also looking forward to a time of restoration. In New Jersey, following Superstorm Sandy, people are still living in shelters. I can imagine those folks would appreciate a word of hope and promise like this, that one day justice and righteousness will return. It's not fair that they lost their homes to the storm. It's not fair that they lost their loved ones to these forces of nature. Let's move from this awful, uncertain place in their lives to a time of fairness, a time of justice. And it's a longing that many of us have, too. We don't have to lose our homes or or a person to to think about what we long for. From youth on up, we want things to be fair, or at least we think we do. Children I personally know will say, it's not fair, he had more screen time than me. 
A young couple might think it's not fair that they can have a baby and we can't. An older person might think it's not fair that she can get around so well and I'm so limited. We have a longing for justice and righteousness, just like the people to whom Jeremiah was writing these words of hope. When Brian and I bought our first house, a 1922 brick foursquare, it had one overgrown holly on each side of the very small um, sidewalk and front yard. So they were huge, and they completely blocked the house. And so Brian worked for hours to not just cut them down, but dig out the roots. And it worked well on one side, but it wasn't too many months till on the other side we started seeing these little holly shoots coming out of the ground. That picture comes to mind because that's sort of what we're talking about is just you know the beginning shoots of what we know as would become Jesus. The stump of Jesse, it's called sometimes, this tree of David that looked dead because the whole people had been scattered, had some life yet left in it. This descendant of David will be a branch of the same family tree. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. Something was about to change. Where it looked like nothing would ever grow again, like our current front yard after the neighborhood boys in their football games, there was a shoot. There was life, there was newness, there was hope. And this newness had a name. The Lord is our righteousness. We didn't name our little holly branches. But in the Bible, when something gets a new name, it also gets a new identity. Some people are given great names when they're born. I couldn't help think of Frank Zappa's daughter, Moon Zappa. Chef Jamie Oliver's daughter is Petal Blossom Rainbow. Other names come from within a family like Sissy and Bubba. And then others are earned like Clark Kent becoming Superman. The Lord is our righteousness is the new name here that will be given to this branch that is shooting forth from what looked like a dead stump of David. For those of you who remember the Rocky Horror Picture Show, there was a song and dance number, and it called the Time Warp. Anyone? Okay. I won't sing it, but let's do the Time Warp again. And I think that's sort of how it is for us as Christians as we're listening to Jeremiah. He's writing in the 6th century before Christ, looking forward, We're in the 21st century after Christ, looking backward to the promise fulfilled in Jesus Christ, and yet we're also looking forward to when Jesus will enter again into our lives and fill them with justice and righteousness. Let's do the time warp again. Some people speak of this as being between the already and the not yet. 
One challenge is to make sure we're not looking for justice and righteousness only for ourselves and only in our time. Then it's not just and righteous. We have to take the broad view of community, even a global view. For instance, we had the story in the paper about the hundred, more than 100 people who died in the Bangladeshi clothing factory. And we can blame it on inept managers and subcontractors for American retailers. But if we turn the camera on ourselves, it highlights our craving for inexpensive clothes with no thought as to how they were produced. That's a justice and righteousness issue. When we have more than others, we're called to sacrifice so they too can have enough. Jesus would teach us that if you have two coats and someone else has none, give one away. If someone is in prison and you are not, go visit them. If someone is hungry and you have extra food, go feed them. Jesus would be this just and righteous king, sprouting forth from the tree of David that looked dead. And in an unfair world, he would be called, the Lord is our righteousness. The publication Bits and Pieces published a story about Nan-in, a Japanese master during the Meiji era over 100 years ago. On one occasion, he received a professor who had come under the pretense of wanting to learn about Zen. As they sat down for tea, Nan-In served his visitor tea. He began pouring from the tea kettle, but he didn't stop after the man's cup was full. He just kept pouring. And finally, the professor yelled, It's full! No more will go in! And Nan-In carefully set down the tea and he said, Like this cup, you are full of your own opinions and speculations. How can I show you Zen unless you first empty your cup? To grow as Christians, we empty our hearts and minds of our own opinions about God and let the Holy Spirit fill us, like in this New Testament prayer, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. One person said that, by way of contrast, the goal of Zen is to become empty. The goal of Christianity is to become empty so that we can be filled with the righteousness of God. Emptying ourselves does not come easily. We're a society of consumers. We're used to filling our tummies with food and our portfolios with mutual funds and our minds with perpetual stimulation. So to be still and to empty ourselves of ourselves takes discipline, motivation. And the other stuff speaks so much more loudly than God does. But still there's within us a longing for the Lord to be our righteousness. On our own, we are unable to be completely righteous. On our own, we are unable to be completely just. 
It helps us then to confess our shortcomings and our longings to God, as we did with Psalm 25. Let me read a few of those verses again for you. And as you hear it, see about emptying your own self of self and receiving God's love and grace into your spirit. Make me to know your ways, O God, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Be mindful of your mercy, O Lord, and of your steadfast love, for they have been of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. It's a daily challenge and sometimes an hourly challenge to seek to live according to God's righteousness and justice. And so we're pulled in multiple directions. There's that longing for what would be just and fair for all people. And yet within us, there's also that selfish tug towards unrighteousness, towards selfishness. The ancient psalm calls upon us to confess and repent and receive God's forgiveness and promise of a new adventure, this advent. Do you hear the connection in the two words? Advent and adventure? Ralph Samuelson was a very creative teenager who seldom hesitated to take a risk. Earlier last century, this daredevil from Lake City, Minnesota, found himself longing for the adventure of snow skiing in the summer. And so to satisfy his craving, he strapped on his snow skis and he headed for the lake. And nobody had ever tried this feat, so most people wrote it off as just another one of his crazy ideas. But he tied a rope to the back of his friend's speedboat, jumped into the water, Now, his snow skis did not work very well, but that didn't stop the young guy. He tried other types of skis with little success, and eventually he came to the point of making some water skis out of pine, and a new sport was discovered. Samuelson was branching off from the norm on a new adventure. And so are we on this new adventure of Advent. This day and this month, we invite God to work within us to empty ourselves of ourselves so that God will then fill us with the justice, the righteousness, and the peace of Jesus Christ our Lord. May we pray together. Holy Lord, you have given us life and you have promised good things for us. We look forward to this justice and righteousness even as we seek to be just and righteous ourselves. As goodness and selfishness pull us in opposing directions, we pray, O God, for your peace for harmony within our spirits 
so that we may receive you in new and powerful ways this Advent season. Help us with our discipline. Help us with our motivation. And help us to be courageous to live the lives to which you call us. We thank you and pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.